So I'm very excited not just to have a regular play, but my first producer of 2021 on the show. Please give a warm soul essence welcome to Richard Earnshaw. Good afternoon, evening or morning, wherever you are. Clearly we've had a strange year of it. How have you been keeping, first question? Yeah, it's been interesting. Obviously I'm desperately missing the performance aspect of, of my job you know, the DJing or on those odd occasions where I do actually venture behind the piano on stage. But I think that, you know, with regards to the making of music, it's been quite, also been quite nice not to have the distraction of the performance aspect. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in the, will this track work on the dance floor kind of mentality? Because of course that is often the primary function for it. But without that there, and without knowing when that next time that you'll actually be able to perform it to a dance floor or a crowd. You're kind of refocusing a lot on the whole music making and the songwriting aspect of thing, which has actually been really nice. You know, reminiscent of how I started off as a young teenager making music. You know, there was, I wasn't performing, I wasn't out there doing it. There was no expectation. I was just making music for the shell of the enjoyment of the creative process. And it's, it feels a lot more like that now because when when things are pretty rubbish which they have been for a lot of people you do well certainly i do i think to myself well where's the positive in all this what can i do to use this as a positive experience so when it does eventually draw to a conclusion i don't look back at it and go well that was just a total waste of a year an absolute rubbish year you know i kind of have to think well, what good stuff came out of that and i think for me as a creative, it is the whole process of like, I'm making music now in a way that I've not made music for a very long time, which can only be a good thing. You know, I'm exploring a lot of stuff. You know, A lot of this stuff, by the way, doesn't necessarily go out under my name either. There's a lot of other things that we do as a business in terms of creating music. And it's, um, it's just been really nice to just have the freedom to not be bothered about whether people are going to go off on it or they're going to clear the dance floor. You're kind of a reflex purchase for me because your stuff's always got a, a kind of a groove to it and you sort of alluded to your roots there a little bit. Where, where does that sort of funky flavour that you've, you've got to your sound come from? I mean, my sort of musical background was very much cemented in the, the classical end of the spectrum as a pianist anyway. And then I think it was, you know, I always had this fascination with music technology and making sounds and music with these crazy bits of equipment that were knocking around. We're talking sort of, you know, mid eighties, late eighties here. And then my dad was also a, a very gifted musician, but more particularly on the jazz end of the spectrum. He was a jazz guitarist primarily. And I remember as a child, I used to hear him improvising on the piano and used to think, oh, I want to do that. I don't want to read these silly black notes that are on this bit of paper anymore because that paper is telling me what I should be doing, whereas I want to explore what I want to do musically. So it was like a combination of shifting from the classical end of the spectrum to the jazz end of the spectrum, probably when I was about 15, using technology as a means to harness the ideas that I was coming up with, you know, because I wanted to essentially be able to record what I was doing. And it just sort of, it was like an amalgamation of my nerdy need to make beats on old NPCs and old drum machines and old samplers and playing this predominantly jazz inspired music and then it was only years later when it was like oh you know this is have you heard of masters at work and you know a lot of these and i was like i don't know who these people are <laughs> I, mean, I have no idea 
And I became aware that there was a whole industry, a whole environment of music that was being made by people exactly like I was making it. Fantastic. And I was like, and I was like, wow, so I could literally have a career doing this. I mean, I was going to have a career in music, whatever. That was my... Yeah. My focus, you know, I was interested in all sorts of types of music, so I knew that I was going to explore that, and and I'll end, I was going to end up somewhere in the spectrum of musical genres, you know, either one of them or some of them. But this was like an accidental. Oh, oh, this is pretty cool. I'll do some of this then, because it just came so naturally to me, just to play what I love playing, and then with a beat underneath it, and you know, using a lot of musicians in the process of making the music, you know like bass, like guitars, strings, horns, vocalists, all this kind of thing. Um, as opposed to the sort of the craft work side of things, which was definitely more of an exploratory thing with technology and sort of bending the rules a little bit with what you could do with the limited power of synthesis at the time. Unless, of course, you had absolutely bucket loads of money and you could have a garage full of keyboards. I wasn't that person. I had to just sort of make the best job as I could with the resources I had. Um, so samplers and, and that kind of thing were really, really useful tools for me. I could get those sounds or I could find those sounds and source those sounds or program the synths and then I could resample those and I could manipulate those in a different way, go back to the same synth, use something different and I could build up this huge kind of pot of sounds that I could then apply to the music I was making. And in terms of that genre, you pretty well help define that I think that genre that you describe where you've got that mix of you know very sort of analog sort of sound but a house sort of genre essentially at the same time with that jazz flavor to it who's inspired you gosh well firstly very thank you very much for saying that I've contributed to it but it's you know it my inspirations are hugely um diverse you know, I was I was brought up in a household where my mum, until only very recently, well, pretty much up to the pandemic, as a, a professional operatic soprano. Wow, and that's incredible. My dad was a sound engineer at the BBC and a very talented musician. My grandfather's, you know, there's a whole uh, sort of lineage of musicians at various professional levels. And I was listening to all of their influences and, you know, sort of gathering my own as I went along. And I was listening to sort of early Vangelis and Jean-Michel Jarre. And I was like sort of listening to all the ambient stuff that was going on. And then I would, you know, switch it up, put another CD in. And I was listening to like some of the early Shaman and Black Dog. Yeah. You know, crazy stuff. And then <laughs> in between that, I was listening to George Benson. Oh, um, yeah. I was listening to Kenny Burrell. You know, I was listening to the usual um, and familiar influences, Dave Brubeck, Miles Davis, mm. jo uh, John Coltrane, all these guys. And then on top of that, you know, I was listening to, um, or even playing Preludes and Fugues by Bach. I was playing Rachmaninoff concertos. I was playing Liszt. I was playing Debussy, all of these things. So if you throw that all in a massive pot of stuff, and, you know, I took bits and pieces from each one. You know, I could never really say that a particular artist inspired me because I took so much from so many different areas of music. And in terms of who you've applied that sort of melting pot of sound to, you've, you've got a pretty diverse gang of collaborators as well. Who do you look for in a partner? I think that, you know, when I'm sort of setting up a collaboration with, with other musicians, Obviously, there has to be a, uh, a connection musically and also in personality. You know, we, we have to be on the same page because that's how you can throw yourself into a room, jump on the instruments, and really cool stuff happens. You know, it's 
if, if you're on stage with like-minded people, like when I was doing the um, the touring dates when the In Time album came out, you know, it was it was incredible to have that, that band was essentially the guys that I've worked with since the beginning, pretty much. And then you had all the singers, and we've all known each other for so long. We've worked together in, in various different capacities, whether it's directly collaborated on original material or I've remixed something that they've done before. So there's already a fairly safe bet that we're going to just get on creatively really well and once you've kind of got that thing sorted we all rely on each other to push each other's buttons push each other's boundaries a little bit more you know let's try this you know take people out of their comfort zone a little bit it's a, it's it's very easy to be so safe with what we do um which is often down to the fact that when you get yourself to a certain level of um, popularity and visibility and whatever there is an expectation that you're going to do x y and z so if you want to throw in a T or, you know, or, you know, it's like some people can get a little bit like, oh, what's Earnshaw up to here? <laughs> and, I, and I get that in order to get to the point where you can kind of experiment more, you have to gain people's trust as listeners and consumers by doing the thing that they expect you to do. So, of course, the first few years of me being a for want of a better phrase, a professional music producer. I knew that that's what I had to do. But now, as I say, there are other things in the pot, there are other things happening where I'm just like, ah, this is, you know, this is just going to really annoy some people if I, <laughs> if when they find out that my name's on this, they're like, what on earth is this about? You know, uh, I'm working, working on new uh, projects that are forthcoming as drum and bass on there and all sorts of stuff. Wow. And I just feel like now, I'm not sure if it's, a, it, whether it's, I feel that people will appreciate my right to explore more musical layers or whether I'm just old enough to not care <laughs> not what they think. I don't know which one it relate. is quite, you know, because part of me is like, I'm just going to bloody well do what I want now. Yeah. And I can. I've earned that right to do what the hell I like. And, you know, and if people like it, brilliant. If they don't, well, do you know what? There's other music out there you can listen to. Or whether I feel like people, you know, with doing the Spirit Chaser stuff, and also sort of uh, injecting this new inner spirit thing, which is a bit deeper, a bit more afro tins. You know, whether people are like, you know what? Hats off to you. Whatever you do, whatever style it is, whatever genre it is, you have uh, an audience, and then they can do with whatever they feel that they want to do with what I'm making. So it's really, I feel like, again, it's, it's, it's like this pandemic has forced me to just get back to the real root of why I got into the business in the first place of making music and I'm just I feel like I'm tw you know 18, 19 again oh, and just uh, you know because when People Are People was written for example when I made that record yeah. I didn't make it for anybody or I didn't make it with the hope that it might get signed by this label or that label which you know that was never my motivation which unfortunately we, we see far too much of now oh I've made this record I want to get it signed to this label I just made the record and I just happened to send it to a couple of people you know for some feedback and then it got here and then it went there and then it ended up on Brian Tappert's desk and then I get a phone call going dude we need this record for Sulfuric D it was never you know it was, I never had my eye on a specific target label it was like I made a record I was happy with it it did everything I wanted to it made me feel nice when I listened to it and people I played it to were enjoyed the journey of the music within it and then you know I was very lucky that say a bit of around the houses and eventually it went out on sulfuric deep and the, rest the old history. cliche the rest quite literally is history <laughs> and Simon Dunmore caused a bit of a kerfuffle recently because he made a comment about the top three I think on track source being 
all remixes and he said oh wait well, you know we need more new material in the genre what's your view on that well i totally get where he's coming from with what he's saying you know we do need to create more space out there for new and emerging artists or even established artists being able to lay down their original work and for songwriters to feel like there's a really exciting place for them to write music, the performers and the musicians involved. But you know, Defected has a massive catalogue of music mm. and if you think that they're now 22 years down the road, I think, it's like there's a whole new generation of DJs out there. There's a whole new generation of music consumers and a lot of them now, some of these sort of young 20-year-old somethings who are getting into DJing and they've got, you know, they've been caught by the behemoth brand that has defected. Yeah. Probably haven't heard a lot of the music that they started releasing, you know, back in 1999, yeah. 2000. When you have all this incredibly rich and diverse content that you can sort of reformulate, you can refresh, you can remix, you can re-release. Well, why not? Because yeah. there's a lot of these people that haven't heard it before. I think what he said was just perhaps misinterpreted a little bit, mm. but we know that if you if you write something on a social media platform yeah. that is perhaps <laughs> a little bit, you know, sailing a little bit close to the wind, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there that all they want to do is pounce on you with yeah. their very often uh, misguided uh, opinions yeah. and they'll just lay into you. And so reasons to be cheerful then. And talking about normality hopefully starting to move. Thinking about you personally, what should we look out for from you then next? Well, we do have some uh, dates sort of on the penciled calendar for um, iCulture um, for the, the rest of the year. What we do have in massive permanent marker is we're going to be opening up the season down at the uh, the terrace down in Plymouth, which we've done two or three times now. So um, really looking forward to that. It's a great, this incredible venue. It's like uh, cut into the the side of a hoe by the lighthouse in Plymouth. Wow. And um, yeah, it's, it's a blooming brilliant place, and the vibe is amazing. Sound system's awesome. It's outdoors, um, but yeah, it's really looking forward to that one. And from the mixing desk of Richard Earnshaw, what should we expect to see? Well, um, I am basically finishing off quite a lot of stuff that is of an interesting less house nature at the moment. But in terms of the labels, Duffnote Guess and 151, I've got some original Inner Spirit things that I'm working on. Um, I've got a new single with Mike City that... We've been working on it for ages, and I'm, when I say ages, I mean it's been like three or four years. Wow. Um, but it's now ready to sort of get dished out, so that's going to be the next thing on Duff Note. I'm working on two albums of my own. One of them is a sort of more conventional Earnshaw album, which will be out next year. And the other one, which will be later this year, is it's kind of, well, it's, maybe it's an extended EP, sort of a small album. It's only seven tracks, but it's quite experimental and that's going to be the one that's either going to make people go oh hello or they're going to go Ugh. it's i'm just going to get it out there and just let everyone get down to it or not get down to it so to speak there's a spirit chaser album that's nearly finished as well which we're very excited about that's going to be the first one out of the blocks that should be done in the next sort of i don't know three or four weeks so there's there is a lot happening there's a lot going on 
So I really, really appreciate you giving up your time to chat to me. I'm actually going to play a tune where I challenged myself to find my favourite Earnshaw track. Uh, And I absolutely love a track that you did with Eric Dillard and Roy Ayers called In Time, which you referenced earlier. It's a tradition on the show that the guest introduces the next track. Would you mind doing the honours for me? Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on the show. This is the House FM listeners. You are about to listen to Richard Earnshaw featuring the vocal splendour of Eric Dillard with In Time, taken from the album of the same name. A new day possibilities are everywhere If you can see it The sun is shining, keep your head up 